The reading is from 6.30 through 44. Well, you can follow along in your Bibles or on the screen above. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five thousand. It is so great to see the orange out here, and it is so great to be entering into our fifth year of partnership with Team World Vision. We're honored this morning to have with us Danny Cole, who is the area director for Seattle for Team World Vision, and she's going to be bringing the message to us this morning. So please help me in welcoming Danny. Good morning. It is so good to be with you today. Um, Like you've already heard, I am with World Vision. If you're not familiar with World Vision, World Vision is a Christian humanitarian organization. But I'm going to guess that most of you already know who we are because year after year after year, you show up. You show up to take on big goals and to bring transformation to one of the hardest places in the world. World Vision and the Covenant have a partnership called Covenant Kids Congo, powered by World Vision. And they serve in an area that is beaten up by warfare. It is suffering from extreme poverty. 60% of the people there uh, live on less than a dollar a day. And uh, this church, the Covenant, just shows up again and again, even though this is one of the hardest places to reach. Well, I have this crazy job, this crazy role where I get to come to places like this, come to churches and invite people to run or half or full marathons. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> well, have ever worn an orange jersey before? If you've ran or walked with us, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for showing up on Saturday mornings. Thank you for taking on the miles so that kids can go to school instead of, uh, instead of carrying that water. 
Thank you for being part of a team that's 1,310 kids clean water in the DR Congo. You've raised over $65,000, bringing 1,310 kids clean water in one of the hardest places in the world to work. So thank you. Well, right now you're probably one of three people. You're either that person that as soon as you heard the word marathon, you're like, yes, I've been waiting for this all year long. So like both of you can raise your hand at me. That's fine. (laughs) Or you might've been the person that just got that Holy Spirit pit in the bottom of your stomach because you're like, okay, I know I need to do this. I've been putting it off. I really don't want to. You just have that little pit. Or you're the third person. You heard the word marathon. You're totally checked out and you're already thinking about the Seahawks game, right? (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, I am with you. I want you to hear me. I am not a runner. I'm not a runner. And when God started calling me, into this marathon thing, I was in a place where I was broken. I was tired. I just wanted to rest. I did not see this coming. And do you know that feeling that I'm talking about? That feeling, crazy idea that won't leave your mind or an opportunity that just keeps presenting itself over and over and over or a reoccurring dream, we would call it right? You know you're being called into something. But sometimes the calling is so big, it is so ridiculous that you think there's no way that I'm actually being called into that, right? So we want to take a look at Mark 6, uh, 30 through 44. You just heard the passage read. Um, If you've ever heard a sermon on Jesus feeding the 5,000, we often really focus on the bread, right? And we focus on the breaking of the bread and how God uses us in the breaking and in the blessing, just like Jesus died on the cross. Um, But instead, today we're going to look at something a little bit different. I want to look at how the apostles responded to Jesus's ask, right? When he said, go and feed 5,000. Like, how did the apostles react? And I think that we can really, really identify with them and even use that as a tool to recognize our calling So we're going to see them kind of take two of their own plans. We're going to see them totally try to it. And then we're going to see Jesus's plan, which is just so much sweeter. Um, But before we we dive into this, um, I really want to get in the state of mind, right, that the apostles were in. So the apostles had just returned from a long trip where Jesus had asked them to go and teach what they had been taught and take nothing but the clothes on their back. That sounds crazy, right? So they're pretty much doing a tour with very limited resources, ton. Well, I uh, work, I, for work, I'm sorry, I travel a ton. Um, this last summer, I went to Malawi. It was incredible, and you'll hear a little bit about that here soon. But while I was there, I, I was leading a vision trip. I took 17 grown adults through four different countries. We spent over 75 hours on planes. We were on 13 different plane rides. We took very long car rides together um, into remote villages, and it was amazing together all the time. So by the time I got home, I was like, I don't want to see another person. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to like close my door and hide. So it was like 1.30 in the morning. I got home. I crawled in bed and I was like, yes, this is it. It's time to rest. And then, you know, four hours later, my bed looked like this. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. I love you too. Don't get me wrong. I love my children. It was, they were there long enough to take this super sweet photo. And then I kicked them out of my room. I pulled the blankets over my head and I just went right back to sleep. So you can imagine the apostles, right? They'd just been on this tour. Very little resources are exhausted. I can only imagine how tired they were. When they got back, or while they were gone, they found out that their friend, John the Baptist, had actually um, been beheaded. 
And it says um, that they didn't even have a chance to eat. So these men, they're tired, they're hungry, they're, they're probably scared, and they just want to rest. And finally, Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So, we, so they went away by themselves to a boat and to a solitary place. Can you imagine the relief? Like you just get back from this trip and you're like, yes. Like just get me out in the middle of a lake. Leave me alone. Let me relax, right? Just It probably felt as good as like when I closed the door with my kids on the other side of it. But I mean a lot better than that. But that's kind of how I relate to this portion. Um, and so I, I'm, and so here they are, they're, they're ready to take a break. I also imagine that they kind of feel like they crossed a finish line, right? That they had, um, done what Jesus had asked them to do. And they're like, oh, I'm done. Cross the finish line. Just going to relax. And they pull up to shore and there are 5,000 people there just waiting. Right. And so Jesus does what he always does. He begins to teach the 5,000 people who had gathered there. Um, but then it starts getting late. So the apostles are like, okay, Jesus, late. these people are hungry. Um, and they say something along those lines. And then again, they're tired, they're hungry, they're scared. They just got back from a long trip. They, they just want to conserve energy. So we see the apostles kind of take their own first plan. They go with a send away plan. Send them away. Send them away so they can go get their own dang food plan, right? Like, I like that plan. You don't have to deal with them. And I think so often we do this, right? We see an opportunity to serve, we see an opportunity to give. We know action should be taken. We keep having the same dream, the same opportunity keeps arising, but it's so much easier just to say, send it away. Send it away, God. After the apostles uh, suggest to Jesus to send them away, Jesus responds with, you feed them. And how do they respond? They don't say, okay, Jesus, sounds great. They do what most of us do after the send it away plan doesn't work, and they protest. Here's where we see plan number two, the, pro, the, the protest plan. I also like to call this the protest and complain plan, right? So I'm going to tell Jesus exactly what I have. Okay, so I don't have enough bread. That would take more than a half year's wages. We'd have to go into town and buy it and bring it back and feed them. Like, this makes no sense. But we do this all the time when we're being called into something that seems impossible. We tell God exactly what we do not have. I know I should start a community group. My pastor keeps asking me to start this community group. I don't feel qualified. I don't know if I have the time. Or I know I should be taking this, this job. It just keeps showing up. But it just seems like my resume isn't the perfect fit. I know I should go back to school, but it's been years since I studied. We are so quick to protest and complain. Or how about this one? I know I should be walking a half or a full marathon. I've never ran before. My kids keep me busy. I have an injury. We tell God exactly what we do not have when we're being called into big dreams and big goals. So these apostles are ordinary men, tired, scared, hungry. And let's be honest, they're not qualified at all to feed 5,000 people. I mean, think about it. To feed 5,000 people, like, you'd need to have some experience and kind of know how that works. Well, a little fun fact about me, I actually started in catering and started in events. So I actually am qualified to logistically plan how to feed 5,000 people. So if Jesus was like, Danny, go feed 5,000, I'd be like, no problem. I need 25 double-sided buffets. I'm going to need 572-inch rounds. I'm going to need about 88 bussers. And then we're going to need dessert. Don't forget dessert, Jesus. <laughs> right? But God so rarely calls us into our comfort zone. 
He so rarely says, this is where you're qualified. I'm going to put you right there. No, he puts us in the spaces where he can meet us. He hard places that we aren't expecting to go because that's where we can see God move. That's where we can be a true witness to the greatness and the beauty and the faithfulness of God. So this next portion is my favorite piece of the passage. Um, I actually kind of have a love-hate relationship but, with it, but uh, here's where Jesus really reveals his plan. When he responds with one simple question, how many loaves do you have? This is a give what you do have plan. And this is Jesus's plan. This is all that he wants from us. How many loaves do you have? The apostles, they think they're done. They're coming back from a long trip. They just want to rest. But Jesus is not done with them. But isn't that annoying? I'm just going to say it. It's annoying. You're standing there saying, Jesus, this is impossible. These are all the reasons that we're not going to, that we can't make. And all he says is, well, how many loves do you have? I feel like at that moment, I'd be like, I'd get a good eye roll in. Well, when we are being called into something that seems impossible, whether that's taking on a marathon, trying to end the global water crisis, helping children on the other side of the world, we so often, we just go through our own plans, our own ways to try to get what God is asking us to do. We can be so quick to say, send it away or tell him why we're not prepared. But as soon as we're willing to give God what we do have and to step into his plan, that's when God is going to show up in incredible ways. So when Jesus asks the apostles, how many loaves do you have? The answer, not enough. It is usually, God, I don't have enough. Not enough to feed 5,000. What we have is five loaves and two fish. Can you imagine that moment? I mean, just imagine that moment, standing in front of Jesus. 5,000 hungry people. Jesus is saying, what do you have? And you're standing there saying, five loaves and two fish. How inadequate they must have felt. How completely unprepared and not qualified. I know I can, I can imagine that, right? I want to share with you a photo of my family. Uh, this picture was taken in 2015. That is my daughter, Emmy, my son, Parker, my husband, James. James and I met 15 years ago. It was the first Saturday of college. We got there on Thursday, met on Saturday. I'm going to go ahead and guess if you were to ask him today, hey, were you planning on meeting your wife the first week of college? He'd probably say no. Uh, but <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> and so here we are, a beautiful family. This photo is taken in April uh, 2015. And this is a very, very special photo to me um, because one week after this photo was taken, our entire worlds changed and they will never be the same. One week after this picture was taken, we heard the words, your daughter, Emmy, two years old, has cancer. You know, we always knew that kids had cancer, right? We'd seen the St. Jude's commercials, and we knew Seattle Children's was there. But you, you never think it's going to happen to you. And here we are, talk about taking on something we felt a little unprepared for. She had a high-risk neuroblastoma. She was given 50% chance of surviving. She went through five months of chemotherapy. She had three major surgeries. One of them was 17 hours long. She went on to have a stem cell transplant, and then she had radiation, and then she had immunotherapy. 
I only cried two times uh, through Emmy's treatment. I know, I know that sounds crazy, but I'm talking those like real from your soul, lay it all out there cries. And the first time way that we found out Emmy was sick, we had been in the emergency room at Seattle Children's all day waiting to find out why our daughter was in so much pain, why she couldn't walk because she was in that much pain. And 10 hours later, I calmly walked out of her room and down to the family bathroom. I collapsed on the floor with my back pressed against the wall and I prayed to God to send it away. Send it away. My husband and I, we've never even had a person in our life that's close to us that deal that had cancer. I mean, this was a totally new experience. All of a sudden, we were expected to learn the ins and outs of the hospital procedures, the medicines, the side effects, when to push the button, when not to push the button, which medicines can mix, which ones couldn't, all while trying to figure out, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Who's going to mow my lawn? Where's my dog going to live? And how do I take care of my seven-week-old infant living in the hospital together as a family? We were overwhelmed completely overwhelmed. But God was calling us to witness. To witness through all of this. To glorify him. This sounds ridiculous, but overnight, our friend requests on social media like quadrupled. Our email inbox was completely exploding. People were showing up at the hospital that we never expected to see. And God just told us, to witness. At that time, um, my husband and I, my family, we were barely going to church. I mean, I'd grown up in the church, um, but we were in a place in our life where we were barely making it. You know, we went on Christmas and on Easter, and I barely had a prayer life. And all of a sudden, thousands of people were watching us, and God was saying to witness. I remember Googling Bible verses to add to our blogs. Like, that's how unprepared I felt. That's how awkward I felt stepping into this. But I gave God what I had, right? I gave him Google. <laughs> and to this day, we meet people that um, say, my husband used to work all hours, days and nights, and barely saw the family, but now he's home every day for dinner. I mean, that's a close friend of mine. I've met people that I barely know that said, because of Emmy's journey and the way that you, you know, included Bible verses and witnessed the entire time, my faith has been deepened, my relationship has been renewed, and we've heard of people who don't even believe in God praying on behalf. God used what we had, right? We just gave it to him, and he just took care of the rest. So Emmy did finish her treatment uh, three years ago. I like that. I'll I'll take that. She finished her treatment three years ago. Um, And it was just this last October, a few months ago, that we finally heard the words, Emmy is healed. Emmy is healed. But I want you to hear me. Not every story ends like Emmy's. Not every story has a happy ending, and I have no idea why my daughter survived and so many other kids are dying. I have no idea why. But when she finally finished treatment in 2016, I felt exactly like the apostles. I was done. Like I crossed a finish line. Like, let's go in the boat, Jesus. Let's find some rest. Let's have some solitude. But God was not done with me. Just like the apostles, he wasn't done with me. 
So I found myself learning about this crazy ministry, Team World Vision, through a job search. (laughs) I knew coming out of Emmy's treatment that I was going to be taking care of kids. I wanted to be fighting for kids, but I for sure thought, okay, cancer kids, right, God? Then through the interview process, I kept learning more and more, and I learned what this ministry is really about, what World Vision is really about. It's about providing water, clean water to kids who are walking on average six kilometers a day, sometimes multiple times a day, to dirty, contaminated water that makes them sick. This ministry is all about fighting for kids so they can go to school instead of walking for water. It's about the roads that they walk on. The roads that they walk on are the leading source of human trafficking in places like the DR Congo where your church is at and Malawi where I visited this last summer. Take a picture. The switch in that child's hand is used for fighting off animals, snakes, while they're just trying to get their water. So how did I respond, right? Jesus starts calling me into this. I start learning more and more about these kids. And I went full on into the send it away plan. Send it away. My heart had been so broken for kids with cancer. Living in Seattle Children's for 200 days on the 7th and 8th floor. My, My heart, it was full. That's the only way I could explain it. So as I was learning about these kids, I kept saying, God, no, my heart is full. I can't take anymore. I can't take it. Send it away. Then I found out that serving with this ministry would mean running a lot of miles and standing on a lot of stages. (laughs) How did I respond? I protested and I complained. I was like, no, 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 no. Hold on. I've only ran two miles in my entire life. That's the farthest I'd ever ran. That was when I was in the best shape of my life. So I'm going to say that was a few years ago. You want me to run marathons? Are you kidding and then, he, you know, then I'm like, okay, so you want me to, to speak as well. I am not a pastor. I am not a theologian. I barely had any public speaking skills. And here I am. Stand on stages? I'm going to tell you exactly why I'm not qualified for this job. I just remember feeling really, really inadequate. I felt really, really out of shape. <laughs> I felt scared. And I remember thinking, how am I ever going to take on this role? And how am I going to make enough room for the kids in my heart? But God so clearly said, it's not my job to define the capacity of my heart that he will tell me when he is done with me. So here I am, (laughs) two years later, standing on stages. But here's what we know from Mark 6. God uses the broken, the tired, the scared, the not qualified, the inadequate. And if we give Jesus what we do have... He can take care of the rest. Because uh, Jesus, he wasn't asking the apostles for what they don't have. He didn't say, okay, 5,000 loaves and two fish. All he was asking them for was what they do have. What did they have? They had the five loaves, the two fish. They gave it to Jesus. He broke it. He blessed it. And he used it. So right now I want to encourage you to whatever it is that God is asking you to do. Um, Maybe that starting a relationship with him. Maybe it's renewing it. Maybe it's reconciliation within your family. That can seem impossible at times. Maybe it's running or walking a stinking half marathon or walking full marathon. 
for kids to have access to clean water. Maybe it's coming back and doing it again. In 2016, this church, Pine Link Covenant, had 36 people cross the finish line at the Seattle Rock and Roll Marathon, and your church raised $28,000 in one year. In this new year and in this new decade, I want to challenge and invite this church to have the biggest team you've ever had, to come back, to do it again, but to invite people outside of these walls, to invite your neighbors, to invite your friends, to invite your family, to move our feet together. That way we can witness not only to kids on the other side of the world and their families, but we want to witness to our neighbors as well. The apostles in Mark 6, they didn't know what was possible, right, with their five loaves and their two fish until they stepped out into faith and said yes to Jesus and gave him all that they had. I wonder what would happen if we just said yes, if we stepped out in faith the way the apostles did and we gave God all that we had. I want you to take a look at this video. I remember hearing about the global water crisis for the first time. I could shut down, been numb by it. The issue was too big. Someone else would do something about it. But God was calling me to be broken by the global water crisis to do something, to be awakened and activated, to move my feet and run a marathon to change the course of a child's life and the course of mine. But was it for me? I'm not a runner. Bunts? Fundraising? That's just not me. I'm not a runner. I'm not somebody who does athletic events. Or is this opportunity for me? Could I maybe just maybe say yes. When we say yes to God's invitations, boldly trusting in his faithfulness, he does amazing things. Because on the other side of yes is water and fullness of life. And God has something in it for you. And believe it or not, This is going to be fun. Because this isn't just running. This isn't just water. This is the church. This is the body of Christ coming together to love and serve the least of these brothers and sisters of ours to see and experience God's transformational power. This is a revival. Will you join us? Well, like I mentioned, uh, this last summer, I'm going to get back to that, but this last summer I got to go to Malawi and oh, it was incredible. We got to see the start line and the finish line of World Vision's work. So we got to see community that kindly said, hey, we've been partnering with you for 22 years. We don't need you anymore, right? They went from having zero health clinics to having three, from having one elementary school to having 22. I mean, they're thriving. Then we went to a community that didn't have clean water at all. And I remember going to this community, we pulled up in our land cruiser and as we stepped out, we were overwhelmed by the beautiful music 
and the colors and the dancing, and we were there to do a traditional walk for water. So we made our way out to their water source. Um, I think we have a photo of their well. This is a shallow well. Uh, This water was murky, dirty. They shared it with animals. I remember I was listening to that woman right there in the blue. Tell us about the hardships that come with drinking water like this, the disease that they have to deal with, the kids don't get to go to school, oftentimes because they're in so much pain. Uh, What I didn't realize while she was speaking was that I was standing upwind from the water. And all of a sudden, the the wind shifted, and I got punched in the face by a smell. Do you know that feeling? Like when you get punched in the face, and it's like overwhelming. It smelled like manure. Their drinking water smelled like manure. And I went over there, and I took a bucket, and I scooped it up, and I put it on my head, and I began walking back to the village. And I remember I took one really wonky step, and as I did, above me sloshed. And, uh... I'll never forget how my shoulder dodged out of the way. Because in that moment, I was so afraid that I would smell like their drinking water. I didn't want to be dirty with their drinking water the rest of the day. And when that happened, it was a reflex, and I was torn up. I was, the only word is ashamed. I was humiliated. I'm here, I'm here as a World Vision employee. I'm leading this trip. I've told these stories. I know the facts. And here I am dodging the water. I got back to the community. I put the bucket down. I went and joined everyone else. And I sat there three rows back just processing what had just happened. And I watched this woman with a child about one years old on her hip walk over to that same water take a cup, scoop it up, and begin just feeding it to her child. And as a mom, everything inside of me wanted to jump up and scream, no, stop. Amen. (laughs) But what God was doing in that moment, God was reminding me why he called me into this. He's for the moms. Because many of the moms, the families that we serve in areas, only have, their kids have 50% chance of making it, just like my daughter. And here I was standing, watching this mother, and God was reminding me. I got to take my daughter to the best place in the entire world to treat neuroblastoma. If you didn't know, the head of the neuroblastoma committee worldwide is at Seattle Children's. These moms are taking the cup of water and feeding it to their child This cup might be the cup that kills them. And it's not because they love their kids any less than I do. It's because they had no choice and it's not fair. So I have given God all that I have when it comes to running. He has helped me cross finish lines and he has helped me witness to people through half and full marathons that I could never have even imagined in ways that are more beautiful than I could have ever come up with. So I'm here to ask you to do two things that might seem completely impossible to you right now. One is ending the global water crisis. That's a big one. But the second is joining our team by running, walking, or walking the Seattle Rock and Roll Half or Full Marathon on June 7th. Training starts on February 3rd, and right now you might be thinking... I'm not qualified, I'm not prepared, I can't walk 
more than 20 minutes. There are so many things that be going through your mind right now, but this is what I want you to hear. 80% of the people who join our team for the first time have never even done a 5K. Our training plan is designed from your couch all the way to the finish line. When you cross that finish line, you can go right back to the couch where you started, I promise. But I would love for you to join me right after service, right up here for a very quick info session. It'll only be about 10 minutes or so. If you have ever worn an orange jersey, I would love for you to join me. If you have a Holy Spirit pit in the bottom of your stomach and you're thinking, oh, I really don't want to do this, but I know I should, join me. This is not a commitment. Or even if you're just a little curious and you're not quite sure what you're going to do yet, just join me really quickly for 10 minutes right here at the front of the service. I'm only here, I'm sorry, the front of the sanctuary. I'm only here today um, and I would love to have an opportunity to meet you. Thank you so much.